Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. The only reason he went undrafted was because he sucks. Bill's Mafia, what is going on? Thank you so much for tuning in on this wonderful Monday. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I'm your host, Vince Taylor, over on the Built in Buffalo Network. I hope you had a great weekend, and I hope you had an even better Mother's Day. I'm looking forward to getting into a few stories that happened this week that I wanted to get my thoughts on, uh, as well as the promised last week recap of the more interesting NFC teams and how they handled their draft. Uh, But in the hot seat this week, I have my teammate on the Built in Buffalo Network, Eli Fox, over from the All Day Buffalo Show, as well as one half of the Air Raid Hour over on the Buffalo Fanatics Network, David Tilt Money Tilton, uh, very gracious to give me some some of his time. And from the Cold Front Report, Greg the Sports Bully Bowsher. I had a great conversation with Greg uh, even if a lot of it wasn't on the air, I still got some of his time and uh, I enjoyed speaking with him even in the hot seat. So let's go ahead and get started. I think the most important story that happened this week was the Bills deciding to pick up both of the options for Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, I know that picking up the fifth-year extension from Josh Allen was basically a no-brainer. There was no doubt about it. Uh, I wondered why it took them so long to get that done. But I know they're working on an extension. They've been talking about it for a little while, I think you've been hearing a little bit of tidbits come out. Um, and I have no doubt that's going to get done. So picking up that fifth year option for Josh Allen was a complete no brainer. However, the more interesting part of this equation was picking up the fifth year option of Tremaine Edmonds. Um, I, I understand why this is controversial and you know, there are people out there who are questioning that we should even pick up that fifth year option. Um, I think Bill's Mafia is very divided, but I I don't know if we really are. Um, I think most of us can agree that he's leaving us wanting more. But I, I feel like just because you criticize Tremaine, people think that you're, you think he's terrible or that he sucks. And that's not necessarily uh, the way I feel either. Um, I think in podcasting and in sports media and in really life in general, uh, everyone's being pushed to one side or the other, and there's very little room uh, for people to have maybe more moderate opinions, things that are uh, not everything's so black and white. Sometimes you can be a little bit in the middle, and, and that's where I'm, I'm at with Tremaine. Is he terrible? No. Does he leave me wanting more? Absolutely. Do I think he's a great linebacker? No, not at all. Uh, I think he's okay. And my issue with Tremaine is that I understand he's young, but he's going into his fourth year. So I, I still agree with picking up that fifth year option. Um, but I'm looking forward to, 
kind of doing the equations in my head. If we has another year like last year and, you know, we're, we're getting into contract extension time and the money he's going to want for his draft status, is that worth the kind of player we're getting? And my feeling is no. Um, but I'm also recognizing that he's young. And I'm also recognizing that he's essentially got a two-year um, extension and just another look at another couple years and, and giving him the opportunity to take a step. As I talked with Justice a few weeks ago, he's not a great tackler. Uh, he's not a he's not a thumper. Uh, I thought he was pretty good in coverage. However, I saw this week, and I was unaware of the stat, that he was one of the lowest rated coverage linebackers uh, in his spot, and I was not aware of that. Um, I think he's pretty good in pursuit. He can chase you down sideline to sideline. But also, I think judging him on the number of tackles he makes is not a necessarily a great way to manage or to evaluate a linebacker. All tackles are not created equal. And Tremaine does not make many plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Um, there are times where he misses tackles. And if there's a body on him, he's basically out of the play. So he's he's got many deficiencies. And that's why... You know, I don't think he's great. Can he get over them? Sure, he can. Absolutely. But he needs to do it soon. Otherwise, we're really going to hand him another contract based on his potential. And I don't think none of us really want to do that. Um, I think there's a little bit of homerism when evaluating Bill's players because we want to think everybody's great um, and everybody's perfect. And, you know, uh, sometimes a little criticism and uh, a little bit of objective opinion is called for it. In fact, I think most things in life call for that. And, and, and looking at Tremaine Edmonds is the same. It's the same. Um, yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, I'm not really too happy with him, but I'm not ready to throw him out either. And, and it's okay to have that opinion. doesn't mean I think he's trash. doesn't mean I, I don't think he can't get better, but he definitely is leaving me wanting a lot more. Uh, if you contrast him with the Cowboys, who really got Leighton Vander Esch in the spot where maybe we wanted to draft Tremaine, but we traded up to get Tremaine. Um, a lot of people thought he was a great linebacker and he was more valuable uh, later in the draft than what we had initially got for Tremaine. Well, Leighton Vander Esch is, did not get his fifth year option picked up and the Cowboys actually went out and drafted another linebacker. So Cowboys are hedging. And in fact, they're almost giving up. Uh, I know he's had some injuries and I, I still think there's some potential there too, but kind of like Tremaine, I'm not necessarily willing to give somebody a contract based on potential. Show me what you can do. And I'll, I would consider giving the contract in, but I don't want to give you a contract based on what I think you might be able to do someday. And uh sounds like the Cowboys are having similar thoughts. Uh, it's, well, it's obvious they are. They, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. But I, I do think it's just as likely that Leighton Vanderish has a wake-up call and has a great season and, and gets paid either by the Cowboys or somebody else next year. I think that's extremely likely. Um, the same scenario could happen with Tremaine as well, uh, you know, at the end of his fifth year. Quinnen Williams, if you remember back to that 2019 draft, we were lucky enough to get... Uh, Ed Oliver up at the ninth spot, but it was almost universally acknowledged that Quinn and Williams was really an amazing uh, elite level talent uh, on the interior defensive line. And he's had some good years and he's been a good player and he was hurt last year. He's hurt again. He's going to miss pretty much all the football activities, including OTAs up until uh, the start of the preseason uh, training camp anyway. 
But, um, you know, that's something to keep your eye on. I, I thought the, the Jets were doing some interesting things on the defensive line. Um, and say what you want about the Jets. I, I feel like their defensive line has always been pretty decent. Uh, but losing Quinn and Williams uh, for that much time, don't know how much of an effect it's going to have on the year. But he was hurt again last year. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Also this week, there was some controversy over some of the comments that Brandon Bean had made uh, over on uh, One Bills Live. I, I think he was uh, discussing the vaccination procedures uh, and, and Tasker threw him a question and a lot of people didn't necessarily like the way I got answered. Um, basically, he said he would consider cutting somebody that wasn't vaccinated if that would help him meet the quota so they can, quote, go back to normal life. Um for reference, here's the here's the clip. Yeah, I mean, the early indications are that um, if you're vaccinated, and that means fully vaccinated, means you've been two weeks since your, your second shot, um, that you are going to have to probably test once a week. But if you're not, then you'd have to test every day like we did last year. Um, still unsure about the masking, how that will go. I think there's going to be some incentives to if you have X number of percent of your players and staff vaccinated, you can live normal. Let's just call it back to right. the old days. If you don't, it's going to look more like last year. Social distant meetings, um, encourages many to be virtual, mask in the building, maybe even mask on the sideline. You know, a lot of that still to be determined, but um, I hope that you know, if those are the rules that we'll be able to get enough people vaccinated uh, and not have to deal with, with all the headaches from a year right. ago. So if you're one, if you're one player away from the ratio from living normal or having everybody to be tested, do you just cut a guy that's not vaccinated? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would because yeah. it'd be an advantage. Honestly, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. we're laughing, but uh, you know, the, these meetings, we're not as as productive as before because we had, I mean, you guys saw it in the field house. We had three and four meetings going on right. and you sometimes you're talking over each other, but it was the only way to pull it off. To me, that didn't sound like it was a well thought out comment. I think uh, Tasker was just doing his job and lobbing questions at Brandon Bean. And by the way, when you're Brandon Bean or Coach McDermott or really anybody uh, taking questions like that from the media, it's a difficult job. And I think sometimes you get thrown questions that you're maybe not completely prepared for. So I don't believe when, when, uh, Brandon Bean answered that question, he, he had really given it all that much thought. I, I think he was really just kind of, uh, talking off the cuff. And if anything, he may have been referring to like the end of the roster guys, right. Just to sort of gently nudge them into doing the right thing. Cause that's better for the team. But you're going to tell me if Josh Allen refuses to get vaccinated, he's going to get cut. No. Um, I think Josh Allen would end up doing the right thing because he's a leader on the team and he's going to want to set the example and do what's best. But um, I want to take up for Brandon Bean just a little bit because I, I think he's getting asked a question that he wasn't completely prepared for. Uh, and sometimes when you're in these positions, you need to learn how to do a little bit better than that. But um you know, I don't. I don't really fault him for that. And and I know the NFLPA uh, came down and said absolutely not. Well, if Brandon Bean wants to cut somebody, he's going to find a reason to cut somebody. And it's you're going to have to prove that he was cut because he wasn't vaccinated. Um, you know, especially for the end of the roster guys. 
Anyway, there was also more Aaron Rodgers drama this week. Uh, you're hearing reports that he's dug in and he's kind of making fun of the general manager, basically calling for his job. Um, I'm still not completely buying this scenario. I think, you know, I listened to the Spot Track podcast earlier today with Mike Gennetti, who, by the way, fabulous listen. If you're not listening to the Spot Track podcast, do that. Um, he He's not buying it either. And uh, he basically thinks that Aaron Rodgers is a drama hound. And I, I buy into that theory. Uh, you know, kind of what he was saying was if this really was how the way he felt, he would be making these decisions internally back in February, but you know, he's waiting to the draft, just kind of stick it to him a little bit. He's being a diva. And as Jeremy likes to call him, he's being a dick. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm liking Aaron Rodgers less and less all the time. Even if I recognize his greatness, uh, I, I just don't care for some of that diva bullshit that you're seeing out of him right now. Uh, another reason he's not being moved. Well, at least until June 2nd, but if you remove prior to June 1st, it's $38 million in, in change in dead cap. That's a lot for the Packers to take on. Uh, if they re- release or trade him after, well, June 2nd or after, uh, it's just $17 million in change. So if, if we are going to see a trade, it's, it's going to be a few weeks away. I'm still very, very skeptical. I don't think you trade your uh, NFL MVP, by the way, on a winning team. He could have, and they should have, beat Brady last year. Uh, just as some questionable play calling. And yeah, I, I think Aaron Rodgers deserves a little bit of uh, criticism there too. I, I felt like there was a couple plays there at the end of the game that were there for him to have uh, if he'd been just a little bit more heads up. And, you know, for instance, he could have run a touchdown and it looked like to me. But, you know, that's nitpicking an NFL caliber, uh, MVP caliber quarterback. But uh, I spent Mother's Day today with some family members who are Bears fans on my wife's side of the family. And they're all really hoping that uh, Aaron Rodgers ends up getting moved to the AFC. They want to see him with uh, the Denver Broncos. Um, Honestly, I I wouldn't mind that so much either. I just I don't think it's likely. Uh, I think putting him on Denver might knock the Chiefs back a peg. So I think that'd be good for the rest of the AFC if that were to happen. But it's just drama. It's smokescreen. It's him being a diva. It's the same thing Brett Favre did when he came to town. He's doing the same thing now. And, uh, you know, shut up and play, man. I mean, you're the MVP on a winning football team, making tons of money. I mean, I just don't understand why you're so upset over Jake Kumaro. I mean, he's an end of the roster guy anyway. So, I mean, I, I just, I don't understand where any of this is coming from. And the last little topic I wanted to hit on before I go into the NFC uh, draft class was, you know, I I just want to get my thoughts out there on the end of the roster, sixth and seventh round picks that we just took. Now, everyone wants to point to Matt Milano, how he's a fifth rounder and, you know, how we just signed them and he became what he became. Uh, It's not generally like that with fifth rounders. We can't expect all of our sixth rounders and our fifth rounder and, uh, our seventh round pick to end up being superstars. It's just not likely. You know, we're talking about guys we picked in the past, like Austin Prowell and, and Ray Weber McLeod, guys who are just barely hanging on to the roster. Uh, I think Rashad Wild Goose has a legit shot because he's a corner in a Teron Johnson contract year. So I think he does have a legit shot, uh, at least being out Cam Lewis to be the backup slot. But 
potentially take over that starting duty. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I can say that a lot for, I can't definitively say that for the other guys. And yeah, that includes Marquez Stevenson. I, I like him too. Uh, I, I watched his film and he, he looks fast and he looks tall. He's not a great route runner. I think he's there to compete with Isaiah McKenzie, but let's remember he was drafted that late for a reason. And these guys that were suddenly falling in love with, you know, the guys that are replacing were the same guys, right? The end of the roster, late round pick. So, um, I just I wanted temporary expectations with some of these guys a little bit. Uh, it'd be great if they all turn out to be Matt Milano's, but more than likely they're going to turn out to be out uh, Austin Proles. So um, maybe just temper expectations there just a little bit. All right, so we are going to take a real short break. And when I come back, we'll go through a few of the more interesting NFC teams and how they handled their draft class. All right, Bills Mafia, as promised, we're going to talk about a few of the NFC teams and how they handled their draft. Uh, I wanted to start with the Arizona Cardinals. I realize that not a lot of people have, they share my opinion of the Cardinals. I I think they're a little bit better than they're getting credit for. I think they can put up some points. And uh, the defense is, well, it's hit or miss. I I thought it was pretty good at some points, but uh, kind of disappointing in a lot of last season, too. They play in a very tough division. Uh, they're still competing with the Rams and Seattle. Um, last year they were eight and eight, but you know they added Zayvon Collins, who was a pass rusher that a lot of people liked, and a lot of people had him mocked to the Bills. Um, the way that I understand Zayvon is that he's more of a, a stand-up linebacker, uh, which is okay. I, I think they, you know, they picked up J.J. Watt and whatever you want to say about J.J. Watt. I still think he's an okay pass rusher, but I don't think he's J.J. Watt as we come to know him. And they, the Cardinals maybe have overpaid for him a little bit. Um, they also grabbed Rondell Moore, um, wide receiver out of my backyard over in Purdue. A lot of people were high in him as well. I've seen a lot of Bills fans wanting him. I, I think the the Cardinals did a pretty decent job with their first few picks. Um I like Kyler Murray. I don't think he's ever going to be an MVP. I don't think he's ever going to even be a top five quarterback, but he's pretty good. He's a, he's a talented nuisance. Uh, he's, he's small and he's thick and he can run around and he can throw the ball, but um not sure that he's ever going to be that guy. But I, I think if you surround him with enough talent, they have a chance to be a uh, wildcard team. Uh, even in that tough division, I'm not completely counting it out. I think they had... Uh, an interesting top couple of picks and, and things kind of fell their way. So I'm feeling more optimistic about them than a lot of other people are. And I realize that. Um, and of course I'll come back and eat crow if I'm wrong, but that's the way I feel about that team right now. I feel like they underachieved last year and I don't care about that Hale Murray, uh, which would have put them at seven and nine. I, I still think they underachieved last year, but uh, I'm keeping my eyes on them because I, I think they could be a wild card team. And let's go ahead and stay in that division and talk about the Rams. Of course, they had the big trade to bring in Matthew Stafford over uh, Jared Goff, which was a huge upgrade. Not that I think Jared Goff is complete trash. I think he gets a little bit uh, too much of a a bad uh, rap. Um, He's not an elite guy. I know he got to Super Bowl, but he's not trash either, you know. Um, But Matthew Stafford was a, a really big upgrade. I've always been a big Matt Stafford guy. 
Uh, it cost them their first round pick. The Rams are somehow allergic to having first round picks and they don't care if they have them. Um, you know, I, I guess I can be a little bit uh, guilty of overvaluing those picks as well. But on the on the other side of that coin, if you never have first round picks, that means you're never getting the premium talent on rookie contracts. And that's hurting the Rams. And it has been for a few years. Um, you know, they've had some salary cap crunches. Um, so they had to let Todd Gurley go, which maybe they shouldn't have ever paid a running back to begin with. But, you know, we're not going to go there. Um they, they did draft a wide receiver in the second, but it felt to me like a very defensive-heavy draft for them. Um, they picked up uh, Ernest Jones in the third, in the fourth round, Bobby Brown, one of the higher upside defensive linemen in the draft. Um, maybe if he ends up shining and taking the place next to Aaron Donald, that could be something to keep your eyes on. And staying inside that very same division... The Seattle Seahawks only made three picks in this entire draft, and part of that was because of the trade for Jamal Adams, which, you know, privately I wonder behind closed doors if that's a trade that they would like to have back. Uh, Jamal Adams was a, a national household name, but that doesn't mean he was a perfect fit or even, I, I don't know how I want to say this, but um, I don't think he's a great safety. I think he's a great linebacker. I think he's more one-dimensional than anything. Yes, you can talk about the sacks and the tackles for losses that he gets, but you know that's because he plays next to the line of scrimmage. And if you're going to drop him back and, and play a more traditional true safety role, you know he's not as good there. I don't think he's as great as pass coverage. He doesn't get a ton of interceptions. You know he will help you against the run, and maybe he'll rush the passer. But uh, I don't know. I think that's what you want linebackers for. It's not necessarily a safety, but. It was a big price to pay. I believe they gave up two first to get him, a first this year and a first next year. Uh, I wonder privately if they'd like to have that back. So he's got to count part of this draft too. They drafted, they drafted a wide receiver who I have not heard of by the name of Dwayne Eskridge, who is supposed to be more of a burner from the slot. So that's a guy that's going to supplement uh, the DK Metcalf and the Tyler Lockett's of the world. Uh, but given this draft, as, as much as you hear all the drama about Russell Wilson, maybe going back a couple of months and towards the end of last year, how there was, uh, we got to run the ball more. Uh, they didn't seem to really address that need or that want very much in this draft. Uh, they did pick a cornerback in the fourth and they grabbed another linebacker, or I'm sorry, an offensive lineman in the sixth. Uh, a lot of people are surprised that uh, it'll, Ilfante Melifonwu, uh, the cornerback out of Syracuse, did not go to this team. Um, you know, I'm I'm surprised that if they wanted to be a more run-first approach, that they didn't try to maybe grab a tight end or another offensive line to shore that up a little bit. Because part of the problem with that team, and they're a good team, they have Russell Wilson. You're a good team if you have Russell Wilson, but they could be better. They needed, in my opinion, to get a little bit better on the offensive offensive line, and I don't think that they did that. I don't want to talk about the Lions real quick, not because I think the Lions are someone that I would consider a playoff contender, but because I think they had an interesting draft. Uh, in the first round, they, they drafted uh, the offensive lineman of Oregon, uh, the Penn A. Sewell. They also, it felt like we're watching Bill's Twitter and just making picks to piss off Bill's fans. Uh, grabbing Aleem McNeil in the third and Melifonwu also in the third, training up to get him. Uh, so they had a, I feel like they had a pretty good draft. Uh, even if I don't think they're going to real be, really be a playoff team. Staying inside that same division, uh, 
Uh, the Chicago Bears were a team that I was very thankful for because they traded up to get Justin Fields and kept him out of the hands of the Patriots and Bill Belichick. I also think it was a good move for them. Um, I know they missed big on Trubisky a few years ago, and I'm glad they didn't stop swinging. They went up and they, they saw a guy that they thought they got good value out of. Um, a lot of people thought he was the second best quarterback in the draft. I was starting to buy into the hype on him. Uh, kind of a more athletic uh Throws really good on the run, um, you know. Played for a big small school, played against big time competition, uh, and I felt like he has a swagger. So I'm, I was all in on Justin Fields. I did not want to see him on the Patriots. The Bears traded up to get him, uh, which saved me from having to root against him that much harder. And the Bears were a better team than I wanted to give them credit for last year. Uh, I kind of felt like when they had their hot start, it literally felt fluky to me. Um, and as the season went on maybe they weren't that good, but they were still better than I wanted to give them credit for. And I think they improved. Of course, Fields may or may not start this year. I'm, I'm thinking maybe not unless they start playing really badly or and falling behind in the standings. But um, they also grabbed Tevin Jenkins early in the second round. Uh, but a lot of folks thought he was kind of that mid first round talent. So they got very good value for their first couple of draft picks. They also picked... Uh, Daz Newsom, who was another Bills Twitter darling, uh, I, I thought the Bears had a pretty good draft. They're probably not ready to hang with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but um, you know maybe they have closed the gap a little bit with a team like Minnesota. Speaking of Minnesota, yeah, that's a team I just I, I I don't believe in Minnesota, um, and maybe a large part of it is because the way I feel about Cousins. I don't think Cousins is trash. I don't want to necessarily give you that impression either i think i look at cousins maybe in the same light as um a, a jimmy garoppolo you know uh just kind of the middle of the road starter now he'll put up some big games from time to time but uh that's a run first oriented offense around dalvin cook um they did invest in the offensive line a lot of people think that the christian derrimore is going to end up being the best tackle in this draft um I don't know much about him, so I don't have a strong opinion there. Uh, but they drafted a quarterback in the second, a, by, a guy by the name of Kellen Mond. Uh, was not aware of him until before, well, until after the draft, um, which is, you know, a, a pretty high pick if you are not thinking about moving on from Cousins at some point. Cousins is very expensive um, for the production that he's giving you and the wins that he's giving you. And I know wins are not a quarterback stat, but they kind of are. Um, they also drafted uh, Chaz Surratt as their third pick. He's a linebacker who is a, a converted cornerback, uh, which is very interesting, but he's super athletic. And I guess he's a good blitzer. Um, not sure that I, I want to put Minnesota in, in the same group. I think they're having an outside chance of playoffs, but if I was going to rank that division, it would probably be uh, Packers, uh, Bears, Vikings, and then the Lions. Look, we talked about the Packers a little bit uh, a few minutes ago, and I still think the Packers are the best team uh, probably in the NFC. I, I think they're probably better than uh, Brady and the Bucks, even if they were beat by them in that NFC title game. But uh, in the first round, they took another one of the Bills' darlings, uh, Eric Stokes, a more zone coverage corner, uh, followed by uh, an offensive lineman, Josh Myers. But they also got... Uh, a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers in, in the form of another Rodgers. Uh, Amari Rodgers is supposed to be Debo Samuel Light, so a bigger guy with a little bit of speed, 
Um, I've always been a, a fan of Debo Samuel, uh, even when he was in college. So if this guy ends up being that for Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, that's, that's not too bad when you line up next to Devontae Adams. Moving over to the NFC East, or as they're more infamously known as the NFC least, uh, the only team I want to talk about out of that division is uh, the Washington football team. You know, I, I considered throwing the Cowboys in here, but honestly, I don't care about the Cowboys. I'm tired of caring about them. They always let me down. I know Dak was hurt last year, but whatever. Let's talk about the Washington football team. Uh, there were rumors that they considered trading up into the first to get a quarterback. I don't know what that would have looked like. I have a hard time believing they were going to trade up past the Patriots uh, for Mac Jones. Uh, I have to believe that once Justin Fields came off the board, those talks stopped. Um, I don't have anything to back that up. That's just a a personal feeling on that. Uh, I I feel like if he had fallen just a little bit later, longer, they would have considered trading up to get him. Um, They like somebody, and and that's what I had read, uh, but they didn't specify who they did like. They picked Jamin Davis with their first pick um, linebacker who a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of, cause I didn't really hear this name too much. Uh, but since some time has passed between now and the draft, I, I am hearing some great things about him um, adding to that Washington defense. You know, that's, that's a really crappy division. And I feel like Washington is one of those teams that just needs some halfway decent quarterback play and they can start looking pretty good real quick. Um, I was skeptical about starting Antonio Gibson last year. I don't like gadget type players, guys who don't have a lot of reps at running back. Um, but he made some plays last year and he did look really good. Uh, Terry McLaurin, of course, our old friend, Logan Thomas. I, I think they're just some decent, not even great quarterback play away from um, looking good. They'll be, they'll be a playoff competitor. Uh, they'll will compete for a playoff spot just because they can win that really weak division. Um, but until they get a real quarterback, I don't think they're going to make any real threats. But it's just something to keep your eyes on. A lot of people fell in love with that Taylor Tyler Haneke kid uh, after his playoff performance. Um, as Bills fans, we know not to fall in love with a guy after one game. And uh, I, I'm still a little bit skeptical of what they have. I know they have Fitz, and I like Fitz. But we all know Fitz is downfall as well. Uh, he's going to probably have some really big games. He's probably going to have some pretty bad games too. Uh, but he's going to win some games. They won't be any worse than they were last year. If anything, they'll probably be just a tick better. But uh, watching the football team, keep your eyes on them. I, I think especially in that division, there could be some easy wins there. Last but not least, let's talk about the NFC South. Um, Tom Brady and the Bucks are going to be hard to beat again. Uh, I was a little bit skeptical on them last year. I didn't necessarily think they'd be a total trash team, but I didn't think they'd be as good as they were. I didn't believe that it would be that easy to just plug and play Tom Brady in another system, especially Bruce Arian's system. Um, throwing the ball deep and slinging it around is not Brady's game. You know, His game is those intermediate, the short cross and pick plays. Uh, but Bruce tailored it back and scaled back a little bit to Brady's strength, and obviously it worked. He's got a great supporting cast around him. I'm not necessarily a big believer in Leonard Fournette, but you know he had his spots last year. Um, how do you not like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? They still got that good defense. Uh, they added to it in the first round, another edge rusher, uh, JPP. Not getting a lot younger. 
Um, he's been around for a long time and, uh, you know, he's still productive, but you know, you guys start maybe thinking about hedging against some regression there. So they did draft an edge rusher in Joe Tryon, who actually was a guy that some folks had mocked, uh, to the bills late in that first round. But, uh, the Buccaneers picked him up. They added a quarterback in the second, uh, Kyle Trask, because right now, we believe that this is probably going to be Brady's last year and they got to start thinking about the future. So they, they did spend a reasonable draft pick on a quarterback, um, Kyle Trask out of Florida. They added to the offensive line as well in Robert Hainsey and in the fourth round added another wide receiver in Jalen Darden. So um, I'm not necessarily wanting to go ahead and crown them champs for a second straight year because Honestly, they could have very well, and they should have very well lost to the Packers. Uh, that was a much closer game. Um, but, you know, they're still going to be one of the elite teams in the NFC. And obviously any team that Brady is the quarterback of, you got to keep your eyes on. Um, so while I don't want to give them the championship already, you have to give them the respect that they've already earned. I want to go ahead and talk about the Saints. Uh, I don't necessarily – I think this is a team that's set for some major regression – uh, Drew Brees retired at the end of this year, uh, 80,000 passing yards. What an amazing career that guy had. Plus he was just super likable, but he is gone now. And I don't like the offense with Taysom Hill. Didn't like it last year. I felt like they kind of overachieved and it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. So, um, I'm going to talk about them just for a minute because, because they're interesting, I guess. Uh, they use their first round tick on uh, first round pick on Peyton Turner, who is a guy that a lot of people liked. I think maybe even more uh, than some of the more famous draft heads out there. He was a guy that was sort of rising up. I felt like as we got closer to the draft, you'd see his name going up and up a little bit. So that is an interesting pick for them, and they're going to need to get a lot from these draft picks uh, because they are in cap hell, and I, I don't even know that they're out of it yet. Um, Pete Warner, they took in the second round. A lot of people thought uh, this guy at Ohio State was one of the better picks in the draft uh, because he is uh, able to drop back in coverage, but also he hits really hard. Um, they did address the quarterback spot in the fourth round out of a, a Ian, Brooke, Ian Book from Notre Dame. Um, this feels like a guy that's very similar to Taysom Hill from what I understand. Um, so I, I don't like the saints. Uh, I don't, I feel like they're going in the wrong direction, but they are just more of an interesting team right now, uh, just to see how long they could keep this together. But I'm, I'm very pessimistic. I'm selling the saints hard. And the last team in the NFC that I want to talk about is the Carolina Panthers. Um, I am liking the Carolina Panthers a lot more since the Sam Darnold trade. Uh, I, I've talked about Sam Darnold plenty. I f- believe if you've been listening to any of my podcasts, you know how I feel about him. Great character, shitty team. It's just shitty organization that he got drafted to. That's bad luck, but he's going to get another shot to prove himself in Carolina. Uh, they drafted J.C. Horn in the first, which is going to help screw up that defense a little bit. A lot of people had him ranked as their favorite corner. Uh, so Carolina picking him up is obviously a boon for that defense. Uh, they drafted a wide receiver in the second because remember the Sam Darnold trade, the second doesn't happen until 2022. So they still got to keep this year's second. Uh, they drafted Terrence Marshall Jr. Who's supposed to be more of a speed uh, outside guy. Uh, just another weapon for Darnold to play with here uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, they added to the offensive line in the third after taking Brady Christensen. 
Uh, Tommy Tremble, who's a guy that I started to like more and more as draft time got closer. I would not have been upset had uh, he ended up with the Bills. Um, really good blocker. Also runs a 4-3-40. Now he's still got some refining to do uh, in his game as a tight end, but uh, you know, getting him that late in the draft is, is a steal for them. Listen, the Panthers are not going to take that division, but with Christian McCaffrey back healthy uh, and some of the weapons that they have on offense, I, I think the Panthers are a legit wildcard team. Um, and I'm kind of going to be pulling for them a little bit. So, uh, that's it. That's all the teams I wanted to talk about in the NFC. Um, up next, we have the hot seat. As I mentioned, we have my teammate on the built in Buffalo network, Eli Fox over from the all day Buffalo podcast. We also had David tilt money Tilton over from the air raid hour. One half of that show on the, on the Buffalo fanatics network, followed by, the sports bully Greg Boucher over on the cold front report. So without further ado, okay, Bill's mafia this week, first up in the hot seat, we have Eli, my teammate over from, all day Buffalo here on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. Eli, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Good. Why don't you tell us a bit about your podcast? Uh, so yeah, my podcast on the Built in Buffalo podcast network is called uh, the All Day Buffalo podcast. <clears throat> um, it's basically me just kind of going through what's kind of hot during the week, um, whether it's the drafts, offseason stuff, once the uh, season kicks off. I'll be starting to talk about games and what happened in them and then maybe doing like a little bit of like a, a pregame stuff. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, stuff is still in the works because I am still kind of starting out with it. Um, but it's just kind of slowly coming together. So each week it keeps getting better and better, in my opinion. Good, good. Uh, what days does your podcast come out? Uh, Thursdays. Okay. And where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, I am at all day Buffalo, uh, just as it sounds, no numbers, no underscores all day Buffalo. Okay. Excellent. Um, you understand the rules of the game? Yeah. Okay. They're not, it's, it's very intimidating. And by the way, I made this up all by myself cause I'm super creative. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Mafia hot seat. I have 10 questions. Which one would you like? Uh, let's go with number three. Number three. So after the draft, we've, and it was a strange draft. Uh, yeah. it, it's definitely putting some pressure on, I think, some folks on the team. But do you think there's going to be maybe a surprise cut that nobody's talking about right now in preseason? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, there could be. I, I I think of this team as pretty pretty solid moving forward. You know, we've we've made our our additions. We've made our we, we've kept some of the guys in place um, that we honestly thought weren't going to be on the team. Um, and an upcoming cut I'm trying to think of maybe someone like, you know, high up on the, on the team that people really know about. Um, I can't really think of one. I mean, I would have to say probably maybe someone on the offensive end. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some tight end moving, um, because that is somewhere that we need, um, to, you know, somewhere we need to work on. Uh, we haven't had the best tight end production in the last couple of years. 
Um, so I don't know if it's moving Dawson Knox, but I think maybe the guys under Dawson Knox, we could see some movement there. Like uh, Jacob Hollister, Reggie Gilliam. Yeah, I think like Reggie Gilliam area. I think so. Just someone to put a little more pressure on that tight end spot. I think Jacob Hollister is actually going to have a, a decent year, you know, reuniting with his guy, Josh Allen, um, who he played with at Wyoming. I think he'll uh, play pretty well with him. Um, but I think Jacob Hollister, Dawson Knox should be pretty solid. But that Reggie Gilliam spot could be up for grabs. Okay. Um I think maybe on the, uh, there's a lot of folks having some pressure on the defensive line. Like I am mm-hmm. not calling for this and I'm not predicting this, but like, I think if hey, we're trying to save maybe a little money because we want to sign a cornerback or something like that. Yeah. Mario Addison could be on the outs. Yeah. Um, once you just said D line, I was just, uh, I first name that popped into my head was Mario Addison. Yeah. I definitely I, see him leaving. I, I think Jerry Hughes is a possibility, but honestly, he's the best pass rusher on the team right now. I don't yeah. think that's very likely, but it would it would be a surprise cut if that were to happen. And I think that Jerry Hughes can serve this year at least um, as someone that can teach these two new guys that just came in at um, edge rushing. To um, you know, Jerry Hughes is definitely a very solid pass rusher, and I think those guys can learn a lot from him. So I think they'll definitely use Jerry, uh, Jerry Hughes this year for that too. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going anywhere. There's some people out there in Bill's Mafia who've been calling him for for, for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just can't get there. Like, I get that you're unhappy with his sack production, but, you know, playing that position is more than just piling up sacks. Yeah, you know? and, and sacks don't come easy. Uh, it's a very difficult thing to get to. You got, like, six, 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 seven, three hundred fifty 350-pounders in front of you. I mean, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. So you, you, you got to watch the tape, too. I think that helps a lot when you're – when you're thinking about um, like just sack numbers and, and, and who's producing. Um, I think that goes for Ed Oliver too. You know, he was getting double teamed all year um, and you got to really watch the tape to know that Ed Oliver wasn't slouching last year. He was just kind of getting a different type of attention. Okay. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Eli, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes for me this week. And remember you can find Eli over at the all day Buffalo podcast. What day does that come out again? Thursdays. Thursdays on the built in Buffalo network. Thank you, Eli. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Vince, for having me on. Okay, Bill's Mafia. Next up on the Mafia hot seat, uh, I'm excited about this guest. I have one half of the Air Raid Hour over on the Buffalo Fanatics channel. I'm joined by Tilt Money, David Tilton. How are you doing today, David? Dude, man, I'm great. Like, draft's over. It was a grind. We did the live coverage for like 15 hours over the weekend. Um, So this is like... This is like a treat for me to come on here and do this. So I appreciate you uh, asking me to do it. It's light and fluffy. There's nothing hard. I call it the hot seat because I'm not very creative, Uh, but they're just easy little kind of softball questions. So uh, (laughs) no reason to sweat on this one. All right. I I have, uh, I have 10 questions and you can pick any number you like, except number three, which has already been taken. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I will go with, and this is this was like my number I wore playing sports all growing up. Uh, I was I played baseball, and one of my favorite players growing up 
and I'm a Yankees fan, was Derek Jeter. So I'm going to go with numero dos for my question. I, th- I knew I liked you. I knew I liked you. <laughs> All right. So that's what I'm going with number two. Um, so the draft is over. And I think there's a lot of polarizing opinions about how the Bills did in their draft. And you know, we won't get into that necessarily. But uh, overall, in the NFL, who do you think had the best draft? There were a couple teams drafts I really liked. Um, number one, I really liked what the Panthers did going out and getting JC Horn, going out and getting Terrence Marshall, the trade up, then solidifying um, that O-line for Sam Darnold. Uh, I really liked what the Panthers did. Um, I liked what the Lions did. They took a couple of uh, my favorite prospects in the draft. Uh, I'm an NC State guy. I'm always a big Aleem McNeil fan going into the draft, really wanted the Bills to get him, but we didn't. And they also obviously got Ify Melifonwu, who was another guy. I liked in uh, a lot of Bills fans like so I liked what the Lions did. And then I will say like this team maybe isn't getting a lot of attention cuz they're kind of in a division where it's, you know, the attention's on the Chiefs, but I really liked what the Broncos did in this draft as well. Um went out and got uh Patrick Sertain with their first pick, first pick um managed to get Baron Browning as value. I thought was a really nice uh, selection for them. Um, and, uh, and I just felt like the Broncos, uh, with their picks did what did, um, did themselves justice. And, you know, the obvious ones with fields and the bears, like they made their moves, but I, I like the lions Broncos and the, um, and the Panthers drafts. I really like them. Yeah. If the Broncos could have somehow pulled off an Aaron Rodgers trade, which by the way, I don't really believe was a thing. I think it's just, no, my friend uh, who's a Broncos fan, my best friend's a Broncos fan, so he, I really pay attention to them. Um, he was like, uh, I don't know if your show is like MA, but he said he was viciously cock-teased by Aaron Rodgers, um, <laughs> is, is how he put it. After, uh, and how, and how, could I, how could I not say how nice it was for the Broncos to jump ahead of Miami and, and snag Javante Williams right before Miami picked. Um, and also got Quinn Miners, who was another guy that the Bills really, so really liked what the Broncos did. I thought they had a nice, uh, nice draft. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be better with Teddy over there. I, I'm not a lock fan. I, I think they're going to be much better with Teddy. Uh, the Lions, yeah, they seem to just follow Bill's Twitter and pick everybody just to piss us off is what it kind of felt I know. like. I know, I know. <laughs> But you didn't mention Cleveland. I thought, and well, so I'm interested I, why. I, I, I like. I'm curious on your thoughts why you didn't pick them. Well, I purposely, I purposely didn't want to give any credit to the AFC teams that are kind of in our crosshairs. Like the Cleveland Browns really had a great draft. I, I, I don't want to take anything away from them, but um, those first two picks they made, right, Newsom and JOK. I mean, those were two guys that were very heavily on the on Bills fans' radars, and even the rest of their draft, they really. Um, you know, they really did a nice job. They went and got Anthony Schwartz as well, who's another guy that Bills fans, a lot of Bills fans like. But, you know, it pains me to see teams like Cleveland, I think, have good drafts. I thought the Chiefs had a good draft. I thought, and honestly, I thought all the teams in the AFC East, um, including the, like, I thought the Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets all had good drafts too, which was kind of painful. So um, Cleveland is real is for real, man. And like, we keep talking about the chiefs being the team we kind of need to beat, but like Cleveland's Cleveland's right there, man. They, they played the chiefs better than we did last year in the playoffs. So, 
Um, I don't want to take any way, anything away from Cleveland because they're kind of like our sort of um, AFC brother in a way. But uh, but yeah, I mean they did a, they did a great job as well. Yeah, they did. They did play the Chiefs better than we did, and of course, I'll take Josh Allen over Baker Mayfield all day. But I think the difference was the defensive line, and that's where you saw the Bills go was you know heavy defensive end. Um, the rest of the teams they have, I thought did pretty well. Like I don't know if the Bills got a lot better this year, but mm -hmm. I still think there's a sizable gap between us and the rest of the teams in the AFC East because of Josh Allen. Uh, I totally agree. I mean, the Bills, the Bills drafted as if they were a team that was content with going into basically going into the season with what they had a year ago, plus the free agents they signed. Right? I think they were using the draft as a mechanism to um, make sure they were set down the road when certain contracts were coming up or certain contracts were expiring, and felt like at pick thirty, right? Is there really is there really someone there that's going to come in and like? immediately like elevate us to like leaps and bounds above where we were in 2020. And we have to also remember we made some nice, you know, a couple nice free agent signings as well with Brita, Forrest Lamp, a couple linebackers, you know, from the Texans and Raiders. I think Tyrell Adams is, is uh, going to actually be a decent player. Um, and, and there's still other free agents out there, right? A lot of people were talking about maybe bringing Richard Sherman. And I know for me personally, I really wanted the Bills to go after like a legit CB2 early in the draft, but they didn't. And I've kind of just accepted the fact that I think this coaching staff feels out of all the positions on the team, cornerback is the one position they feel the most confident that they can quote coach up um, of any other position group because of their backgrounds. And so I think they're more comfortable kind of taking late round guys and sort of free agents and sort of coaching them up at that position then I don't want to say wasting a draft pick, but using a draft pick on a player that they they feel like they can squeeze a little more value out of if they just um, coach the guys up a little bit. Yeah, it, I mean, that's obvious. and <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with that, but who the hell am I? I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I wanted Asante Samuel with the 30th pick. And honestly, like, I was like, okay, well, we got we got Rousseau at thirty. Let's go get Iffy at you know sixty one, and then Iffy wasn't the pick, and I was like, if he's still there at ninety three, let's go get Iffy at ninety three, and we passed on him again. So, I'm with you, man. I wanted a corner like on day one or day two. Yeah, it, to me, it would have been the easiest position to upgrade, and and you still are balancing playing for this year and for the future because, you know, I think it's Trey and Dane Jackson under contract next year, and that's it. Uh, so even picking a person there from like salary cap management and, and roster management made sense in addition to just playing for this year. So yeah, <laughs> it's disappointing. I, I think a lot of Bills fans feel that way, but uh, it's, it's good to hear that I'm not alone. Oh yeah. You're not alone. I mean, we do what we do as Bills fans, right? We, we are in full justification mode for everything that's happening now. Right. And it's, it's easier to do that when Bean has made, a lot of good decisions and I don't want to sit here and say like every move he's made has been absolutely perfect. Cause it's just impossible for that to happen. Right. Um, there have been moves that haven't been perfect. The Kelvin Benjamin trade. I mean, some of the, you could argue the defensive lining signings we made last year weren't great mm -hmm. with Addison and, and Jefferson yeah. and Butler. Um, and there've been a few others. So it's like, it's not like 
you know, Cody Ford is still a big TBD and we traded up for him. So like there are moves that have been made that like not haven't necessarily panned out perfectly, but he certainly has made more than enough moves that have panned out to give himself a little bit of a, uh, leniency with the fans, I think. Well, we were in the AFC championship last year, so that's worse, <laughs> but it's yeah. not to say that you know, being the bills, like I honestly was starting to think I would never get there again as a bills mm-hmm. fan, but that doesn't mean that when Brandon Bean makes a movie, he's not above reproach. Like it's okay I to agree. question him. Yeah, absolutely. I said yesterday on uh air raid hour, um, cause it was our first show after the draft. I was like, you know, trusting the process. A lot of people throw that term around and it's like, it's not about like blindly agreeing with every single move that's made, right? The process in itself is something that's going to have peaks and valleys along the way. There's going to be moves that work out. There's going to be moves that don't. The trusting the process part is knowing that they're going to make decisions that correct the moves that don't work out in the best way they can. And they're obviously going to make ideally make more moves that do work out than don't. So it's not to say that every single move is going to work out, but it's trusting that they will steer the ship the right way. It's not a linear path, I think, to get to this Super Bowl. So um, that was my kind of interpretation of how I like believe in the trust the process mantra personally. I don't think I could have said that better myself. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> Tilt Money, one half of the Air Raid Hour over there on the Buffalo Fanatics Network. So when can we hear your show? Yeah, so we're on Mondays and Thursdays live on YouTube, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, we have been doing that now for about a year. We're on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. Um, we've got you know me and Steve, you know him as Judge Mathis on Twitter, co-hosting uh, that show Mondays and Thursdays. So upcoming, we're going to be doing a lot of like draft breakdown stuff on Thursday. Uh, we're going to be recapping the AFC East as a whole. So we did the Bills last night on Monday and on Thursday, we're going to kind of um, open it up a little bit and take a look at the entirety of the AFC East. Cause like we said earlier, like there, there were some good players drafted in the AFC East and uh, you know, those teams got better. So we're going to unpack that all on Thursday. Okay. Hey, they put a lot of work into their show. Uh, it is a good listen. Check them out on the Buffalo fanatics network. So, Hey, I really appreciate you giving me some time tonight. Yeah, man, I'm I'm always game. If you ever want to have me on again down the road, just uh, hit me up on on my DMs, and I'm I'm available. Absolutely, you know I'm going to do that. Do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, you have a good night. All right, thanks, man. Take it easy. Okay, Bills Mafia. Next up on the Mafia hot seat is Greg, the sports bully, sports bully Boucher. He does not go by the French pronunciation. <laughs> it's not Boucher. It is Boucher. How are you doing today, Greg? I'm doing well. Yourself? Good. How are things going over there at the Cold Front Report? Going well. We just wrapped up our, um, you know, long, hard look into the draft and breaking that all down. So finally, you know, we got a little bit of a lull now, but uh, it was fun. You know, I think we. Um, we had a lot of fun working on the draft and putting things together and analyzing the direction in which we'd go, but you know, it's a crap shoot. So it's, uh, it's definitely not an exact science, but we had fun doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it definitely was an interesting draft real quick. What was your thoughts on it? 
I, I think initially I was kind of um, off the off the bat with the Russo pick. I, I was a little disappointed. I thought there was better options on the board, but as the draft itself kind of played out, I think the Carlos Basham pick kind of made me feel better about the Greg Russo pick, which is odd that a second round pick would kind of, you know, solidify the first round pick. But I, I think we got a better pass rusher in Carlos Basham. And um, we'll give Russo time to, to develop, and I think he needs a little bit more refinement than Basham. So it, it's it's kind of a, a, a win-win, I think, in that, in that regard. And, you know, we built for the future, and we got a couple pieces here and there. But, you know, I, I think it was um, it was a smart draft for them. I don't think they did a lot of sexy things, but I think they addressed the needs that were there. And uh, I'm happy with it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, eh, <laughs> I guess we'll wait and see. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not really a hot take at this point. Mm. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. I have 10 questions in front of me. Numbers two and three are taken. Which number would you like? Uh, let's go at nine. Okay. Obviously, most teams get better during the draft, and I, I think uh, everybody in the AFC East got better in, in, in general. But which AFC team – not the Chiefs is going to be the biggest contender for that AFC crown this year. I think you got to look at what the Cleveland Browns have put together. You know, I think they were a pretty solid team last year. They had a lot of pieces there, strong running game. Um, I think Baker Mayfield kind of stepped forward and emerged as a, you know, a legitimate NFL quarterback who could lead that team. And they made a lot of additions this offseason. They had a, a spectacular draft. So, you know, and that was all without Odell Beckham Jr. And say what you want about him, but I think most teams are better with him than they are without him, regardless of statistics. So, um, you know, and they went and got Jadavian Clowney, who I know he's fallen off uh, production-wise in the last couple of years, but you pair him with, you know, Miles Garrett and, and what they do over there, and, you know, every emergence for him is quite possible, and that's, that's a scary thing. They went and I think they had an absolutely dra uh, great draft they got, a player that I was in love with and I really wanted the Bills to get, and uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. But um, I guess there was a heart condition that, that popped up on the medicals that kind of slid his draft stock down, and, and, and Cleveland got him in the second round. So they're, they're, they're a frightening uh, group of guys over there right now. Yeah, I agree. And let's remember that they played the Chiefs tougher than we did. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and that's because they had a better defensive line. And then, you know, Koromoa – falls to you or what's the Koromoto falls to you that late in the second round. That's a really good gamble, especially after getting Greg Newsom in the first yeah. uh, with Denzel Ward. And yeah, you're right. And when you mentioned uh, Baker Mayfield taking the step, I think he's somewhere in that eight to 12 uh, category as if I were going to rank quarterbacks, he'd probably fall somewhere in there for me, but that's good enough. Team around, he's, they got to watch out. Yeah, no, I mean, he said Baker Mayfield, I don't think he's taken quite the step that uh, Josh Allen has last year, but he's got a very good team around him. He's got a, a very, very good defense, and he's got a great running game to, to fall back on. So he doesn't need to be the number one quarterback in, in the league. Um, you know, like I said, he, he could be the 10th the best quarterback, and with the tools around him, I think they could still win 10-plus games easily. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I'm not as enthusiastic about Baltimore, I don't think. I think they maybe take a small step back. Uh, they did lose a few pieces on defense and you know, was worried about their run game last year. I, I think they take a step. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, looking at Baltimore, they, they've revamped the offensive line. So there's a lot of new pieces coming to play there. And they, they've also added a lot of new talent on the defense. 
Um, so I, I think there's the talent is there. Will it all will it all mesh come game time? You know, I, I think they had a pretty good draft themselves, grabbing um, Jason away. You know, in the, in the first round, you know, very athletic pass rusher who's you know on the, Baltimore always gets pass rusher. So there's no doubt in my mind, Jason Oway is probably going to be a ten sack a year type of guy. And then Rashad Bateman, um, I, I, that's another great play right there. Okay. All right. You can find Greg at the sports building one over on Twitter. And you can also find his work over on the cold front report. Go check him out. Anything else, Greg? No, that's, that's all, you know, that's, that's where I'm at. And I'm, I'm all my work is through the cold front report. And every once in a while, somebody will give me a, give me a holler and I'll, I'll join in them on this. I'm always, always ready to talk uh, bills football. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate you taking a few minutes for me tonight, Greg. Not, not a problem, man. Thanks for having me. Go Bills. Yeah, take care, man. All right, Bills Mafia, that will do it for me this week. Look for me next Monday right here on the Built in Buffalo Network. Until then, please wear a mask. Be kind to those around you and squeeze somebody you love and go Bills. See, Charlie, these liberals are trying to assassinate my character. I can't change their mind. I won't change my mind because I don't have to because I'm an American. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in and I'll never change. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, Please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention. Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cry ass. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. <laughs> It's over. Go home. Go.